Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Just Dow It podcast, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, uh, the legal entity solution provider for DAOs. And prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. First, I'd like to welcome our guest, Lou. Uh, Lou, would you please give a brief introduction to yourself and make sure to share with the audience what makes you an authority on DAOs? Sure. So, uh, Lou Kerner, uh, thanks for having me, Adam. Uh, And uh, I've been crypto 24-7 for a little more than five years now. And uh, my primary job is I'm a partner at a firm called Blockchain Co-Investors. We're a crypto fund-to-fund invested in 40 leading crypto VCs. We do one-off investments and we have a crypto SPAC. Uh, I'm most known in the industry, I think, for having started Crypto Mondays, which is the largest crypto meetup in the world. Adam runs Crypto Monday Orange County, one of more than 40 active chapters uh, around the world. Um, And uh, uh, earlier this year, uh, we we started something called the Crypto Oracle Collective, which is a decentralized Web3 advisory firm, and we're up to 100 web experts there. And... Um, you know, like lots of people, I've spent a lot of time thinking about DAOs and learning about DAOs. Uh, by way of background, I started my career as an equity analyst on Wall Street um, and then ran two digital companies, including uh, the top level domain.tv, which we bought from the alienation of Tuvalu, and the largest social network before MySpace called Bolt. We peaked at 23 million kids. And so I was thinking deeply about community uh, 20 years ago um, and continued to think a lot about community. And when I saw the crypto light on June 29th, 2017, what I saw was for the first time in history, we had a tool set to solve the community. And, you know, and obviously that's what DAOs are tool sets to, to, you know, to solve for communities. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very exciting. And it's been awesome getting to work with you on Crypto Mondays, among other things. Um, Let's do it. First up, the Just Dow It News Report. And then in the second half of the podcast, as always, we will interview Lou. For the news report, uh, I will be summarizing these stories for the audience and for our guests and sharing my reactions. And then we will turn to Lou to see if he has anything to add for each story. And we'll try to think especially about what's relevant about these stories for DAOs and people starting DAOs. First story is from CryptoSlate.com. And the headline is... Tornado Cash DAO shuts down as it can't fight the U.S. and keep contributors safe. According to a member of the Tornado Cash team, the DAO has been shut down as it can't fight the U.S. and contributors are scared of being prosecuted. So most people in crypto have probably heard about Tornado Cash by now. That's the mixer service that um, was added to the OFAC uh, blacklist of people and organizations that Americans are not allowed to deal with financially. What's interesting about the story broadly is that Tornado Cash is uh, simply a set of smart contracts living on the blockchain. And um, a lot of law-abiding citizens interact with Tornado Cash and use it as a way to achieve privacy. For example, if they don't want someone knowing what NFTs they bought or where they got their money, um, even if it was perfectly legal. Um, But at the same time, we know that North Korea used Tornado Cash and and others um, used Tornado Cash uh, for illegal purposes, according to the U.S. government. Of course, what's relevant here for DAOs is that uh, Tornado Cash was run by a DAO. And uh, part of the story talks about the fact that uh, the DAO was represented by a multi-sig and the multi-sig was deleted and all the cash was sent to the multi-sig holders. 
Now, the uh, hot take I'll give that's a little bit different from what I've heard anyone else say in the crypto news is I'm really curious what happened with the money. So this is a, a situation that a lot of DAOs are in where it might be a little less decentralized than the members think because it's just five or seven people holding uh, assets in a multi-sig that technically have all the power. And when those five or seven people decided they wanted to, quote unquote, shut down the DAO, they just took all the money and ran. And, you know, I haven't been able to find any report of what actually, what they actually did with the money. Did they send it to themselves? Did they send it somewhere else? Did they use Tornado Cash to hide it? Um, I don't I'm not sure if anyone knows. Um, Lou, will, will, I'm sure will let us know if he knows. But um, I think that's that's one of the lessons. Well, I don't have any. For, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't send it to you. No, <laughs> me neither, unfortunately. Well, fortunately or unfortunately. Um, so it's it's an interesting case of, uh, I think, something that's common in DAOs, which is you know not entirely clear how decentralized it really is. Um, so Lou, anything to reflect on the Tornado Cash story? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, obviously the, the, the bigger story is, yeah, I think the overreach by the U.S. government um, and, you know, all of the implications uh, that are, I, I think, largely uh, just negative for the United States. You know, this is, you know, this is happening and countries that embrace it, uh, you know, are going to be at a huge advantage relative to countries who try and fight it. It's no different than, you know, when the internet first came out, there were lots of countries that fought it and didn't allow their citizens to have free access to the internet because of all the negative implications. Um, everything's a double-edged sword. And so I think, you know, we're just shooting ourselves as a country in the, you know, in the, in, in the foot or the face or wherever. Um, and I think in the long run, not really accomplishing a whole lot. And, you know, if you want to shut down, you know, everything that North Korea uses to accomplish it, then you should shut down most U.S. banks. You should shut down Microsoft right. and Excel spreadsheets. And, you know, so just because they use a tool to do bad things, you should go after the bad people, not the tool makers. Yeah, not to mention the fact that anyone can launch another Tornado Cash anytime they want by just launching another smart contract with the same code. And that new smart contract won't be on the OFAC blacklist until, you know, months or years later when the government finds out about it. So it's like, I don't know that they're even really stopping people who really I need mean, to just a laundry like list of Cash. just horrific, yeah. you know, uh, uh, elements of it that, you know, and, and, and nobody knows the answer to it. Are, 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 are the regulators just ignorant and they don't understand the implications or what is probably even worse, do they understand the implications? Yeah. And they're still yeah. doing it, just, you know, protecting the, you know, the, the, the incumbents. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's I mean, in some ways, I can't blame them for trying to fight North Korea. Right. It, it seems like North Korea is doing at least we the all, we all want to fight North Korea. But, right, you know, we exactly. don't see them shutting down Microsoft Excel because they use yeah. Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I don't know that the government's ever shut down a bank, even when they get found out for dealing with a sanctioned entity, they get a fine of a million dollars, 10 million, 100 million, even a billion or two. But and, and every year they get fined. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And they keep operating part of the standard <laughs> business um, yeah. you know, of, of a lot of banks. Yep. Very true. All right. Uh, turning to the next story is from The Block. And the headline is, uh, relatedly, Ave says on-chain wallet address censorship would require DAO consensus. Um, so this is about the DeFi product called uh, Ave or protocol, I should say, called Ave, which a lot of people use for borrowing and lending and exchanging uh, tokens. 
And uh, Ave says that the uh, current wallet monitoring protocols that it manages are only on its front end app and that the uh, team uh, added that any escalation to the smart contract level will require a DAO vote. So this is describing a situation that I think is in contrast to the situation with the Tornado Cash DAO, where there is a central entity that hosts the quote unquote front end for Ave, which means the actual website that you get to, if you go to Ave's website, the website that tells your wallet in your browser how to interact with the Ave protocol. But the protocol itself is, is living completely on the blockchain. And they're saying that, look, we as a, as a company that OFAC could come after if they wanted to, we can't even shut down the smart contracts if they want to. In this case, it's what I would call a true DAO or really decentralized DAO, where there's actually tens or hundreds of thousands of people holding Aave's token that would have to vote to make a change to the smart contract. And so even if OFAC said stop allowing people to use the smart contract, they wouldn't be able to do that. Um, they'd have to take it to the DAO and people would have to vote on whether to make a change. And so it's an interesting contrast to um, the Tornado Cash situation where you know a small group of people could simply run away with all the assets or, or at least shut down the protocol. Um, but acknowledging you know this situation that's occurring where now everyone is wondering, well, what's going to happen if OFAC decides to blacklist our smart contracts or come after us? Um, anything to add, Lou? Well, I, I would say that uh, they can still decide to throw anybody who uses Ave in jail. Yeah, it's a good point. And they did throw the Tornado Cash, one of the Tornado Cash developers in jail. It's another piece of, of that news. Um, although I've heard a lot of rumblings that maybe he, he or she was involved in something other than Tornado Cash. We don't really know why they put the person in jail. But yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, at some point, if the U.S. government wants to come after us, they'll find a way to come after us, right? We're local. They can, or even if we're somewhere else in the world, they can find us and throw us in jail. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think you know, the, the lesson that a lot of people obviously have learned is just don't allow U.S. customers to use your product. That's mm. the easiest way around it. And that, I think that is, that's related to what you were saying before, right? Like we're shooting ourselves in the foot here, um, not exactly. allowing our own country to innovate and to take part in innovation with some of these rules. Right. You know, argue, arguably, I mean, FTX should have been started here, but it wasn't started here because he couldn't start it here. And even you know, trying to operate here, he's still getting uh, hassled. It's a good point. So that, and I think they're based out of Bahamas or Bermuda or something like that. Yeah, they originally um, started in Hong Kong, but left Hong Kong for yeah. obvious reasons. And now it's a multi-billion dollar company. 30 billion, I think, was the last market wow. cap, right? And yep. We could be collecting taxes on it. Could be hiring people here. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Um, the next story is actually a couple of tweets from the Dow Research Collective, which is a great uh, Twitter account to follow at Dow Research Co. And the first of the tweets is the following. We are thrilled to officially announce the launch of our new nonprofit Dow Library. This library aggregates and curates DAO research on a single platform. It is a public good that will always be accessible to the community at no cost. How the DAO library works. And then a thread. And the thread shows that uh, DAO Research Collective has launched this uh, great resource uh, where you can go type in something like uh, treasury stable coins, and you'll be presented with a list of resources covering topics, including allocating stable coins, strategy for method and timing of diversification, tax, tax issues, etc. And uh, so I uh, wanted to just share that this looks like a great uh, resource. So go check out the Dow Research Collective. 
And uh, specifically, one of the articles in their collective that they also tweeted about around, around the same day, um, here's the tweet. In his overview of Dow legal entity structures, Dow Research Co. Head of Research David M. Kerr offers a broad refresher on legal wrapper options currently available to Dow's in the U.S. So this is one of the stories in the Dow Research Collective Library is about Dow legal wrappers, which uh, listeners probably know is very near and dear to my heart, since that's what my Dow does as well. And I wanted to take the chance to plug the new MyDAO Guide to Dow Incorporation, which you can find on our <laughs> website at mydow.org, which uh, is similar, but takes a little bit of a different approach, not just comparing legal entities, but talking about why you might want one or not want one and how to go about getting one in the first place. Um, Lou, anything to add on this topic? Well, first, was, was, was MyDAO mentioned in that guy's article about Dow Rappers? Yes. Yes. Okay, yep. that's good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know David's a great researcher and, and uh, yeah, it does talk about MyDAO. All right, next article is from Bloomberg and the headline is, this entrepreneur is betting the future of retail runs on the blockchain and Discord. Itsuki Daito is offering a Web3 twist on brick and mortar retail, a store owned and operated by a decentralized autonomous organization. So this is a store. There's a picture of it in the Hayes Valley neighborhood of San Francisco. And uh, the sign in the store says a retail store run by a DAO. You vote via NFT memberships. I think a couple things that are cool about this. One is it's great to see crypto finding uh, kind of meat space or a physical world uh, location and uh, doing some stuff in, in that space, uh, which will hopefully bring more people into, into crypto in the digital world. Um, I also think it's interesting that there's actually a lot of stores already that are operated as collectives, right? Where probably a lot of people have heard of REI. A lot of uh, cities have supermarkets that are run as collectives, or at least they used to. And uh, so this is similar, but it's just it's a store that's using the blockchain and and um, the technology that's being built to run DAOs rather than using email and paper and board meetings and the stuff that a traditional collective probably would have had to do. And I think we'll see a lot more of this uh, going forward. I would just say what, what, what I'm more excited about, you know, not just taking this technology and doing things that we're already doing, not, oh, you know, let's put Uber on the blockchain or Facebook on the blockchain. You know, it turns out those things work pretty well and people kind of like them. Um, you know, I don't particularly, you know, like Facebook, but, you know, two billion people <laughs> do. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, like the more interesting things about new ways that we can do things with these technologies, not just taking the old things we're doing and just now putting them on the blockchain. Yeah, that's a good point. And um, does, does that particular example come to mind of the kind of thing that we think is possible now that was not possible before DAOs? You know, the idea of, you know, automated market makers. Now we had, you know, market makers before, but through automating, it becomes something completely, totally different, um, not just kind of the same thing. So I guess that's, uh, you know, when, you know, when I think about the first time my mind was really, really, really blown, uh, it was when I saw Bancorp, which was the original automated market maker. You know, Uniswap just kind of forked Bancorp and, and put in the ETH instead of the BNT, um, you know, token. But uh, yeah, you know, the, the, you know, and I think obviously we're, we're, we're at the very you know, beginning of it, you know, and I, again, I think being able to take, you know, what Aave's doing, obviously, yeah, super, super interesting. Yeah. And I'll build on that and say that, you know, something like Bancorp, you could have in the past uh, created a collective 
and then launched a piece of software and said, this collective is going to run this open source software living on the blockchain. But if you wanted to make changes to it, you would have had to make a decision as a collective and the collective mm-hmm. would have had to tell their engineers, okay, now go make these changes. And then the engineers would go make changes, upload the changes. Today, you can have the DAO or the whatever governance structure directly connected to and controlling the software so that when the governance process makes a decision about the software, like changing a fee or changing a term or, or adding a feature, you can make it so that it's literally impossible to change that software without the DAO or governance process approving that change first. And then when it makes the change, it's automatically reflected in the software. Um, and so removing that link of trust and reliability and, and having to rely on a group of engineers, whether they're internal to the cooperative or external open source developers, that that's huge, right? And that's something that you don't have with a retail store. You can't program, you know, a, a window to open. Well, you could program a window to open and close, but you can't program like a software to paint the, you know, the cabinets a different color when the DAO decides they want to change the color. You still have to have a person go do it. But with software, you can 100% control the software directly by the DAO because the DAO is software too. And it is, and it is, I mean, it's already in effect in some places, right? Like I know Uniswap, there's a big debate right now in their DAO and their community about whether to quote unquote, uh, turn on the fee switch. And, and what they mean is, you know, the software was built with um, the, the capability of paying fees back to token holders when those token holders decide to vote that they want to start mm-hmm. getting paid fees. And so there is a discussion now, okay, is it time that we start you know, share, you know, taking some fees to the DAO, to the token holders, uh, rather than just leaving everything in the, in the protocol and with the liquidity providers. And so that's a good example of, you know, kind of a, a DAO having direct control over a piece of software. All right. Uh, next article is from Cointelegraph. And the headline is talking with Eva Kiley, VP of the European Parliament on MICA regulation. The Vice President of the European Parliament shares her perspective on the European Union's markets in crypto assets legislation and how it would affect the industry. So this article is an interview uh, of uh, Eva Kiley from the European Parliament um, asking her about all kinds of uh, digital markets related issues, DeFi issues, MICA, which is this landmark uh, legislation in Europe and regulation of crypto uh, and digital assets. Um, and one of the questions she's asked is about DAOs. And uh, the question really is about, you know, what will be the impact of not only DAOs and blockchain, but combining it with artificial intelligence and machine learning and quantum technology? And she go, her answer goes into the concept of a Lex Cryptographia, which is a, uh, a world where the law, the, the, the nature of life has changed so much with the way we've programmed society that we start to just ignore the old laws that are written in, in books and in, in uh, you know, government legislation. And we simply start using the new laws instead because they're, they're simply so much better and they're automated and 
you, you have to follow them because they're, they're coded into law. And, and then it's kind of like, you know, if we think about today, there's laws on the books from hundreds of years ago that are technically still on the books, but we just don't follow them anymore. And if someone tries to enforce one of these laws about not eating ice cream on Sunday or certain types of sex that are not allowed, right? If you take someone to court over that, the judge will say, oh, no, we just we don't follow that law anymore. It's just it's common sense. And that, that's actually OK. That's a normal part of our society. Um, and and that's what she's suggesting could happen, happen with crypto, too, is that we're kind of building a new world. And if the laws don't keep up, we'll just move to this Lex Cryptographia, where we're simply following the new rules and ignoring the old rules. Where I'm hoping these tools get used for is, is that we can kind of exist in our own communities that, you know, and, and adhere to the rules that we want to adhere to. And, you know, I personally, you know, I want to live in communities that don't have guns. But if somebody wants to have a gun, you know, I they should be able to have one. They should just not live in my community. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, also, at I mean, at, at a high level, too, I, I actually don't really even believe that, 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 that laws actually exist. I just think that there are people in power and what they decide to do with it. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, th at least they're just another human construct, right? Just like everything else, or they really don't exist. Well, I mean, I mean, I think there's a, a law in a book, but what does that mean? It, 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 it doesn't mean anything outside of the fact that there's somebody in power who is going to decide you know, how to enforce that and penalize somebody completely at their discretion. So is that really a law or that's just somebody in power? And to me, it mm. seems that it's just really the person in power and much less, you know, the, 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 the law, you know, so and that's why we have a Supreme Court just so we can change the laws. I mean, so if a law can be changed yeah. because when, is it a law? Mm. Certainly different from a law of physics that cannot be broken. Exactly. That's the nice thing about having it all coded. All that bullshit yeah. goes away. All right. Very cool. Um, the final article of the Dow News Report is from CryptoMode.com. And this is another um, a fun uh, DAO. It's called Evinco Winery DAO, merging 120 years of wine history with crypto NFTs and Web3. Um, this is another example of, Louis, you, you were mentioning before, maybe less exciting when people take something that we've always been able to do and just do it in the, with a little bit of Web3 attached. Um, this is a winery DAO that's taking the concept, um, I would say, of a wine club and, and moving it into the digital world. And, and as they do it, giving a little bit more control and, and putting a little, uh, engaging the community a little bit more than you might have with a traditional wine club. Um, so I'm curious, Lou, if you have a favorite wine and what you think about the winery DAO. Um, you know, I guess I don't, I'm, I'm not a big wine drinker. I have a, I have a favorite beer. I can talk about at length. Um, uh, but, you know, I mean, in my view, these things, it's all communities are, are effectively the same thing. It's about, you know, how do you continue to give more and more utility to your community members? And so that's you know, the question I would ask, you know, what, 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 does this DAO plan on doing, you know, other than giving, you know, letting people have access to wine, which is nice, but again, that kind of works well in the web two world already. Yeah. Although I think that's, I mean, I know I've heard you say Lou uh, and to correct me if I have this wrong, but your definition of a community is a group of people where everyone gets more out than they put in. Is that right? Yes, definitely. And, and so, and so I exactly. think if I imagine it, well, right. Yeah, thank you. A lot of clubs, right? A lot, a lot of groups where 
in the quote unquote web two version of the group, you would have had like a mailing list. You would have had maybe, you know, maybe a, a, a web forum, maybe people do get something in the mail once a month. If you take that and you add a little bit of governance to it, where everyone does get a little bit of decision-making power, even if they're not voting every day on like what action the winemaker should take next, or, you know, necessarily even every month on what, what, you know, flavor of the wine should be next month, whatever the things are, they're going to decide. I, I do believe that having that governance right actually does make you more engaged because now you feel like you're, you're not just like a customer of the club that like is kind of a little bit involved, but you're really, you're, you're, you're as much a part of it as anyone else, right? There's no manager. Yeah, that has I mean, I, I get that to the people who care about that, but I think most people don't care about that. You know, I, you know, one of my, I think, weirder views, I think, um, or at least out of the mainstream, is uh, I'm not a fan of voting. I think voting is stupid. You know, nobody wants to vote, right? Who want? I mean, you know, maybe some people do, but you know, I, I would like things to function in the way that I want them to function without having to vote. Um, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, and I think we'll build systems. Uh, my guess is governance systems. You know, I always say, you know, the, the very first TV shows were people sitting at a desk with a microphone on going, hey, now we're on television, right? They're just doing radio on television because that's all they knew. Um, and I feel like with regards to governance, you know, in crypto, that's what we're doing. We're just taking the old governance systems and bringing them here. Um, and, you know, and so I think totally rethinking how we govern ourselves, uh, you know, again, with these tools, I think is going to be super exciting. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess to me, I'm, I'm a little bit more excited about bringing voting to the masses because I kind of feel like we never had voting at this scale, especially in the private sector. I guess mean, technically uh, stockholder corporations, you know, you can do proxy votes where Morgan Stanley is counting all the votes and then giving the results to the board. And then maybe that changes who's on the board and then they get to make a decision. But the fact that you can actually have a company that's operating day to day where decisions can be made as often as you want and freely and quickly by the whole community, you know, by all the stockholders uh, in, in that sense. Um, I think that could be really powerful. It's almost taking something we've only been able to achieve in the past in the government sphere and bringing it to the private sector. And so I, I for one, am excited about the fact that now we're taking voting, which I think has been a uh, um, yes, challenging and not always perfect, but a really innovative invention. And we're actually bringing it to the private sector for the first time. And we're going to be able to see what happens with that. But it, it sounds like maybe you're not as excited about that. You know, one of the super interesting things that I just think is so misguided is, you know, is, you know, just reading a white paper where they're, you know, they're, they're incentivizing voting and they're paying people essentially, you know, among the different things that they're to vote. Um, you know, and it's okay. You don't have to read anything and educate yourself on anything, but we'll pay you just to vote. Um, you know, not quite sure what that's accomplishing, right? You know, mm -hmm. it seems to me that the people, if you're going to vote, then at least you should have the people who want to vote voting, not also people who don't want to vote, but they're voting just because you're paying them to vote. <laughs> yeah. So do you have a thought on how can we govern a system in a way that it operates the way the individuals like yourself want it to without you voting? What's what's the Sure. So I, I mean, and again, this is yeah, pie in the sky stuff, but you know, I, I say you, you know how a river votes 
where it's going. No, it goes in the exact best place that it should just by what it is. Um, and so, you know, theoretically, you know, a DAO should be able to look at, you know, at the activities of the DAO members and, and by dint of what they're doing, you know, and, and to some degree, right, that's what organizations, the best organizations take a look at data, right? And then they use the data to inform them what they're going to build next. Um, you know, and to some degree, right, that should be the same thing, right? We should have a DAO that looks at the data and then decides, you know, what direction they're going to go. Isn't that a bit like Facebook or Google, though, looking at the data and then using it to decide what we're going to buy next? Um, yes, yes. But, you know, look, I, I, I like a lot of what Facebook does and a lot of what Google does is great, right? Um, There's just a lot of it that is evil as well. Um, so I want to keep the great stuff you know, and, and get rid of the evil stuff. Easier said than done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, take the same power of technology, the AI, the machine learning, and just use it for good instead of evil is, is kind of one way yes. of looking at it. Exactly. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, that does it for the Just Dow It News report. So let's turn to the featured guest interview with Lou Kerner. Um, all right, Lou, that's been fun so far. We've already gotten to talk mm -hmm. about some really cool stuff, but let's take a step back. Um, would you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you first got into Web3 and DAOs in the first place? Sure. So, again, as I said, I was an equity analyst on Wall Street, uh, ran two digital companies, uh, Angel Invested, and then uh, started a small VC in 2012. Uh, I went down the rabbit hole in 13, 14, deep enough that the Wall Street Journal wrote a story on Bitcoin, quoted me as Wall Street Bitcoin expert. Um, but while I was looking at it and looking at it, I did not see it. It was harder to see then than it is today. It's still hard for most people to see today. Um, and then on June 29th, 2017, I held a conference call and on the conference on, on ICOs and on the conference call, somebody said something and uh, I saw the crypto light and I've been crypto 24 seven ever since. It's awesome. It seems like that happens to a lot of us. There's like a moment that it clicks because we hear something or we see something, or we experience something and we just get it. And then it's almost like overnight you go from not necessarily caring that much to just believing more than anything else you believe that like what's happening here is the future and that you're just you need to attach yourself to it, even if you don't know exactly what it means or what it's going to turn into. It sounds like that's kind of like the experience that you had. Yeah, exactly. And I agree. And, and, and a lot of people had it. And, you know, and part of the fun of being in the industry is getting to hang out with a bunch of other people who have had that mm -hmm. same experience and have that same view of, you know, of what the future can be. And, and, and it's a better future. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, I mean, I too, I was involved in Bitcoin. I had some Bitcoins back in 2012, but it wasn't until 2020 that I actually understood that I actually saw the light to use your words and, and got really <laughs> excited about this. You know, at 2012, I was like, oh, what's this thing? Silk Road. I should check this out. Sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then eight years later, I was like, oh, this this could really mean something. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's hard to remember sometime when you're talking to people that are not yet crypto native because, you know, you, you only get to talk to someone for five minutes or half an hour. And, you know, it's just hard to remember how much I had to learn to get to where I am now from when I first saw the light. Um, yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, I, I, I say that the five, the, the three best return on invested time in my life. One is wearing a motorcycle helmet because uh, I've totaled two motorcycles. 
Uh, one is uh, flossing my teeth because I've never had a cavity. And the third is learning about crypto. Um, and it takes time. But the return on that time, I think, is, uh, is, is amazing. As high as flossing. <laughs> exactly. <or> higher. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I've flossed my whole life and I still get a bunch of cavities. So I don't know. I, I'd choose crypto <laughs> over flossing if I had to pick. <laughs> All right, flossing advice here on Just Dow It. Um, okay, next question for you, Lou. Um, what projects are you working on now that you're most excited about and how do they relate to DAOs? Sure. Uh, so I think I mentioned earlier, I, I started a project uh, earlier this year called uh, the Crypto Oracle Collective, and it's a decentralized Web3 advisory firm. And what we're really trying to solve for, I mean, there are three problems, one really main one. The two smaller ones is it's tough for, you know, great projects to find great talent and it's tough for great talent to find great projects. But the real big problem is even if they do find each other, quite often the great project wants to pay the great talent in illiquid tokens or equity and the great talent has uh, rent to pay. And so the idea of the collective is, is we're going to tokenize a collective. And when people work on projects, they can get paid in the tokens of the projects, or they can exchange that those for the tokens of the collective that will be liquid. And, you know, the value of the crypto Oracle token will be the treasury uh, of tokens that you know, the, the collective will keep 20% of all the fees paid to the collective. So we're really just paying it to ourselves. Uh, but that will provide the liquidity that will enable people to, you know, to, to, to pay their rent. And also, I think it also, also has a side benefit for those people who want to, um, you know, I say that, you know, for the last, uh, more than 10 years now, you know, I've made my living by, you know, investing as a VC and, and advising companies and getting compensated for that. And, and I've, you know, and, and I've done well, but it's, it's, you know, I've been involved in more than 80 projects and, and the significant majority uh, of my compensation has been through three of them. And so, you know, I was able to get involved in enough projects that, you know, I had enough you know, winners that it's all great. But if you only work in a small number of them, you know, the odds are, are pretty good that none of them are going to hit. And so now by getting involved in the collective, you can, you know, be a part of this larger pool of tokens and, and diversify your assets. Interesting. So it's almost like in the TradFi world, if, if we were getting stock options, but then putting them into a pool that we all share, that we shared as a collective. Is exactly. Kind of yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you knew the stock market, you know, returned X and, you know, startups return actually, you know, considerably more than that. But it's, you know, if you take out, you know, the, you know, the top 10, you know, it, it, it would be, it would be a lot worse. <laughs> Mm hmm. Yep. That's awesome. And, and are you trying to bootstrap it with any kind of capital in like investor? At, at yeah, well, I mean, the nice thing is, you know, we're bootstrapping it by, um, you know, by going out and doing work. Um, we've got five clients today and, and another five that I think are, you know, in the pipeline and, and will likely close. And, you know, so we're scaling very rapidly. We have more than 100 uh, Web3 experts now who are part of the community. And, um, so we're we're building the assets in the treasury, and you know so you know now that we you, know, you can see a path and uh, and and the value of the tokens will not only be what's in the treasury today, but what's you know what's the expected value of what will be in in the treasury in the future. 
Yeah, very cool. Um, is the Crypto Oracle Collective taking new clients? Um, and if any of the listeners are interested, where, where should they go? Um, so they can send an email to alexb at uh, cryptooracle.io. Uh, and you know, Alex keeps Brown keeps the you know, trains running on time. And you know, right now we uh, have two clients a week coming and present. The way that it works is you know is is we screen those. Um, so they're you know, generally you know, high quality projects that you know. And when they present, if somebody at the collective wants to lead the project and raises their hand, then we take them on uh, as a client. Is the Crypto Oracle Collective a DAO? Um, we're on the path to decentralization, you know, for, you know, and so, you know, at the moment, you know, I, I'd say we're kind of in a period of, of decentralization that I describe as the benevolent dictator <laughs> period, <laughs> um, where most DAOs, you know, are really on the path to becoming a DAO on the path to decentralization, because it's very difficult to do anything of complexity, you know, in a fully decentralized manner today. So it sounds like you are a believer in decentralization, maybe just not voting per se, but there's a way to... Oh, no, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge believer in decentralization. Um, weirdly, uh, when I saw the crypto light on June 29th, 2017, uh, even though I don't think I'd ever used the word decentralized before, I was actually a partner at two decentralized firms. Um, just, it's just weirdly something that I gravitated towards. So you remember the exact day? Do you remember exactly where you were, or what you ate, or what you sure, were wearing? No, I told you, I was holding a conference call and uh, on ICOs, and I had four thought leaders, including you know, Bancor had just had the largest ICO in history. They raised like 150 million, and they were on the call talking about that, which was amazing. And we also had um, uh, Kathleen Brightman, who was uh, you know one of the co-founders of Tezos. And the, you know, the following week, Tezos had even a bigger one. Um, and one of the other speakers was uh, a VC named uh, Olaf Carlson Wee. And it was actually something Olaf said that, you know, that, that then basically, you know, the world was one thing. It's called a gestalt shift. And then you get new information. The world is something completely different. And what he said was inconsequential, really. But it was like, a, you know, I, I think of it like a, a puzzle piece. It's just a squiggle. But you take that puzzle piece and you put it in with all of the other pieces you've got in place, and then you can see what the puzzle is. So um, let's talk about your experience with DAOs. Um, what is the most common challenge you've seen DAOs face in their early days? And how would you recommend people address that challenge? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is the ability to move forward in a timely fashion, um, getting consensus. And, you know, I think the best way to, you know, to alleviate that is to kind of be in this period of benevolent dictator in the early period where you, you really don't need to get consensus on every little turn of the screw. Um, but, you know, somehow, you know, you can centralize decision making, you know, in some ways such that you're able to move faster. So is it really about like project management or it really does go beyond that? And it's, you need to let someone make decisions for the group. Yeah. I, I just have not myself personally been a part of, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, a decentralized entity that has been able to make this decisions in a timely fashion. 
Hmm. Interesting. So I guess to me, maybe in my idealized view of the world, you'd have a couple options. One is, you know, assign someone to make the decisions and have everyone say, look, we're going to either agree and commit or disagree and commit. And either way is fine. We're going to keep moving forward with the org. Or if you want to, you can leave, right? But just don't fight it. Um, Or you could just have a system where you vote regularly and you vote often and you say, okay, like if we disagree on anything, let's just get on the phone and have a vote and then agree or disagree. And yeah, no, I on. agree. I, I, I think that there are, yeah. And, and I agree that that sounds on paper like that's functional. Um, but I personally haven't, haven't been a part of a DAO where, where that's been mm-hmm. implemented. Either way, I think the biggest problem that I've certainly seen as well is if you want to not institute a specific decision-making system and just try to get everyone to agree on everything or form consensus on everything, that's definitely not going to work because that that's where you're absolutely going to introduce inefficiency at every step along the way. Um, so there has to be some kind of system in place for moving quickly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What about um, as you've seen DAOs grow beyond the earliest stages and they're starting to scale, what are the challenges you see them facing and how do you address those challenges? Sure. I mean, there's nothing but <laughs> challenges. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, obviously, you know, how you compensate people for adding value to the DAO Um you know, is, is, you know, is, is a big challenge and right. Yeah. And, and you know, what I try and help people appreciate is this isn't about perfection, right? Cause there is no panacea. This is just about, you know, can we develop a system that's, that's better than the current system and, you know, for good, for better or worse, the current system is so bad, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in my view, for a lot of things that building a better system shouldn't be that hard. So when you talk about the current system in this context, are you talking about companies basically? Or Yeah, I, I think I think for you know for a lot of people, you know, working for a company and how you're compensated there, um, you know, I, I think does not work for the majority of people. Mm-hmm. So it seems like though it works for the companies, right? I mean, we have Facebook, we have Google. It seems like um, companies are working; they're just not working for everyone. Would you agree, or you say that actually the companies? Oh, no, no. Really I think as an organizational structure, um, you know, they're at scale. They've you know they've proven to be highly efficient, you know, far more efficient than any other way of organizing. You know that that we found, and you know to some degree, right? What we're talking about here is is it really is is communism, right? DAOs is, is communism, right? And and you know, but we think of communism as a bad, dirty word when you know when it's only how communism has been practiced that has been you know really horrible. And in fact, if you take a look at China, you know, if you look at China versus India, you know, nineteen fifty, you know, they they were both economically, you know, horrifically off. And, you know, one went a democratic path, one went a communist path. And now one is, you know, arguably the economic power of the world and the other is still struggling. Mm, Interesting. So all of this makes me think maybe we should consider going the, uh, doing the opposite and bringing the capitalist systems that have worked in companies up to governments. Right. If voting doesn't work that well, maybe we should tell the governments, why don't you try being more like a company? If you had a benevolent government. Yeah, that, you know, which is yeah, okay. <laughs> which or is maybe the problem. 
or at least non-monopolistic government, right? Then you could have competition between yes, different but, governments. But yes. To me, you know, as, as much as, you know, the, the, I hate Trump and MAGA and blah, blah, blah. You know, the Democratic Party hasn't you know, proven to be a whole lot different in my view. Mm. You know, and I, you know, I think, unfortunately, I think our government is so broken. People even try and fix something, right? We don't even talk about fixing things anymore. Mm. Just living with it. Yeah. Just mm. kicking the can down the road. Yep. Or if you're in crypto, maybe trying to replace it with something new. A new yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to replace it with something new. And to me, yeah. like working, trying to fix you know, the, the, the current system, I think it's beyond repair. Mm. Interesting. So when you compare Trump to the Democrats, are, are you comparing like authoritarian to non-authoritarian? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think, you know, look, Trump is, is, you know, is what he is. And the amazing thing is, is that, you know, 40% of the country loves it. <laughs> yeah. um, and look, and that's fine. Um, yeah, I, I think it's more because of the news that they decide to consume. You know, I think if most of those people watched MSNBC like I do, they'd hate Trump too. <laughs> but they, you know, now why they choose to watch Fox News. Um, yeah. yeah, that's the question. But, you know, and I think mm. that's part of the problem. You know, when I was growing up, you know, our, our differences were kind of over political views. We, but now our differences is over facts. And I think you mm. could compromise on political views, but it's hard to compromise on facts. Oh, interesting. I could see all of this uh, boiling over to the world of DAOs too, at some point, if we're not careful, right? We need, and I think people are building in crypto. We need systems for spreading facts and systems that help us figure out what to believe in and what to believe and what not to believe. Otherwise, we'll end up in the same situation. <laughs> Interesting. And I guess the more we digitize our world, the more we live in virtual reality, maybe the less there is truth in the first place, because we actually get to live in whatever world we want to. Well, I don't think there is truth, personally. You know, there's my truth. Um, I think we're, we're, I think most of the world's problems are that most people think their truths are better than other people's truths. Mm. All right, cool. Um, broadly speaking, Lou, let's take it back to DAOs. <laughs> um, what advice do you have for people starting DAOs today? You know, I would focus more on, you know, what are the end goals that they're trying to achieve and how do you get there? It doesn't, again, I, in my view, have to be decentralized to, to start with. Um, you know, I, I think, part of the challenge is you, you know, is getting people to believe that you're going to decentralize this because you say you will, um, you know, and then obviously people have followed a lot of people that who've turned out maybe not to tell them the complete truth about what was going on. And that's unfortunate. Um, you know, for me personally, you know, before I did the crypto Oracle collective, I was, I did the crypto Mondays, which wasn't even started, um, originally to be a DAO. Um, um, but then as it grew and grew, obviously it made sense to turn it into a DAO. I tried in 2019 during crypto winter, but uh, it did not take. Um, uh, and so, you know, I ran it, continued to grow it until it was of a scale that turned it over to a DAO. At that point, um, it was a lot easier because people could see the scale. And also it was, you know, we were done, we were out of crypto winter. And so, you know, the second time it, it, it took. And so also for me, I think it helped showing that, yes, I've started something, built it up, and then turned it over to a DAO. So, you know, I think I'm benefiting from, you know, people believing, you know, but more, more so than, than others that, yes, that I, I might, you know, I will turn it over to the DAO.
Yeah. So at first it's like, maybe don't worry about the D or the A, right? Don't worry about being decentralized or automating things at first. Just worry about building a functioning organization, however you have to Correct. do it. Something that can become that flywheel of the DAO that, that we all want to get to when we have the right tools. So what are those things you need? I mean, if we just focus on the O, right? To, to, to start a successful organization at first, not worrying about the D or the A, is that about business model? Is it about product market fit? Those kinds of things? Yeah, I, I think it's the same as any other startup, right? And it's getting people, you know, at, at the collective, um, you know, it's about, you know, people are have joined the collective and are part of it because, you know, A, I think they believe in the vision or some mix of A, believing in the vision that I've outlaid, but I've, I'm also trying to give them uh, a lot of value, you know, today. So, you know, three times a week, we have experts come in and, and talk about, you know, what they're doing, um, you know, and uh, those super interesting discussions, but the people at the collective itself too, are you know, so many super interesting people. And I think it's exciting for a lot of the folks at the collective just to be a part of the dialogue that goes goes on with within the collective itself and to be able to benefit from all of these experts kind of across the landscape. Um, last question, Lou, and then we'll turn to our conclusion. Um, any favorite DAOs that you would recommend people check out? There's an interesting DAO called the Orange DAO, which is you know decentralized VC started from uh, YC alums. So they you know, have a, a huge base of community members. Um, but I think that they're doing some interesting things, offering bounties to community members who help the companies. And you know, they've, they've got such a large pool of, of really experienced people. Um, I, you know, I think they'll be able to bring a lot of value to, uh, to, to companies. Yeah, that's cool. It makes me think about Mass Challenge was an incubator that I've been through. It's a global incubator um, now around the world. And I think they should do something like that, too. Is again, to the, what we were talking about earlier, I think to me, you know, OK, I could be on the Mass Challenge alumni mailing list or I could be part of the Mass Challenge alumni DAO. Maybe we call it Blue DAO or something. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Uh, I think, yeah. You know. and by the way, yeah, I, uh, I used to go to Mass Challenge in uh, Jerusalem. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I love that they kept the name Mass Challenge from Massachusetts, <laughs> but it's it's everywhere. Awesome. All right, Lou, this has been amazing. Um, before we do close, uh, where can people find you and your projects on the web and on social? Uh, so the nice thing is, is uh, there is no other Lou Kerners, L-O-U-K-E-R-N-E-R. <laughs> so I'm that everywhere at Gmail, at Twitter, you know, at Lou Kerner, you know, I'm LinkedIn. So you know, I'm pretty easy to find. That's awesome. I, I have the complete opposite uh, situation. There's <laughs> Adam Miller's everywhere. <laughs> so I have to make up interesting new monikers. Um, that's great. Um, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at 0xThriller. MyDAO is at MyDAODS. That's M-I-D-A-O-D-S and MyDAO.org. And uh, please consider liking us or leaving a review or comments. Send me questions that you think I should ask future guests. Lou, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really awesome. Thanks a lot, Adam. Great show. Yep. And uh, for the audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Just DAO it is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just DAO it does not contain any legal or financial advice. 
MyDAO also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly. <laughs>